Dr. Ron B. Smith Jr. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, let me explain peach tea infused. What is that? Is that like a candle? No, we know what it is. Brought in Starbucks every uh, today um, for folks, and I think that's what uh, Jacob ordered, right? Yes, sir. Got it right here. Have you tasted it yet? I did. Does it have lemonade in it? Can you tell? I think there is some lemonade. Remember, I did, had no idea which one. When the lady asked me all the questions, I had no idea what to answer. Yes. So that probably has lemonade in it and no sweetener. Yep. It tastes good. All right. Look Plus at that. Plus whatever we've added. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Right. Rodney, tell everybody what you got. I got a large decaf iced coffee. Right. Black ice water. Black ice water, which when that confused Starbucks when I ordered it. Yeah, I said, can I get a coffee. black? You want a decaf, right? Yeah. Yeah. I said, can I get a black decaf iced? And the lady paused for like a half a second, which I was like, oh, no. What did I do? Wait, wait. You ordered coffee? Right. I mean, it's like we don't. She actually <laughs> literally said, we don't brew We don't brew that. All right. Scratch that. I'll do an orange mocha frap, a latte with a. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so funny, though. But yeah, I ask you about <clears throat> it later as to why. All right. Well, enough about coffee, I guess. Um, and no, we didn't get any any kind of a uh, scented candle. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get a scented candle, nor do we get any uh, any kickbacks from uh, whom we oh. mentioned we bought the coffee from. Not at all. Um, if you're listening later. So, all right. So here we are. Golly, can you believe this? You guys have hung in with us. We are on. Is this episode twelve? Oh my! I think so yeah. Goodness gracious. Wow. You guys have just been hanging in with us, and we so appreciate it. Um, and, of course, I, I know where we're headed with this in the days to come. So we have some even better topics I think I'm excited about. But this one is a good topic. Um, it's a necessary topic. Once again, let me just remind you um, why front sight. Front sight, we're, we're aiming at biblical manhood. We know biblical manhood is under attack and because of that, biblical manhood has gone underground. Here's what I mean by that, either by choice um, or by laziness, or maybe let's just not pick on the guy in that way. Maybe you just don't know what to do. Maybe yeah. like you you don't want to be underground with it, but you're like, help me. Like, uh, I don't know where to turn. Everywhere I turn, like, um, there's a defeatist mindset, um, cultural mindset that's like against me, and I don't know how to overcome this. And so our goal is is reinstating, restoring biblical manhood, um, and we we do that through um, interviews. Uh, we do that just from those here in the room, um, just chit chatting. And once again, in the room, you already you already heard him. You got Jacob Miller, um, who is our producer on this. He's the guy that presses all the green, blue, purple, orange buttons and watches the timer, points at Rodney when Rodney comes up with his. Today, Peach tree oil infused opener. Flavorful introductions, I guess, yes. is a good one on that one. And, of course, in the room, Rodney. Rodney here is the guy that just helps us think through and design this. What does this look like, feel like? And I get to say smell like because it's a candle thing. <laughs> um, helps us think through, like, what is a podcast? What does it do? How do we get it out there? And um, we are so excited about this. But our goal is to make men that are faithful, 
focused, and fearless. Mm. Those are the three points of the, the rear aperture and, of course, the front sight, focused. You get it? It's right there in the middle. All right, so here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the big word, failure. Mm. Here's the title, How to Start Over. So it's going to be a little bit of, we're going to deal with some negatives, right? Yeah. Like, when have you failed? Um, when, when, you, when you feel like a failure, like, uh, you know, and, and what happens when fear locks you down? We're going to deal with those, those negative elements of it, but the title is a positive title. Mm-hmm. Like, we're literally going to learn today how to start over yeah. is what we're going to walk through today and, and learn that. So I don't know, guys, whether you want to answer this now if you're ready or you just want to kind of chime in as you as we hit in the, the different talking points of, uh, of this. Um, can you identify with this? Oh, yeah. Failure is my middle name. <laughs> right. Okay, Rodney, take it away. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, get it. Right. I mean, ha- I mean, uh, the answer is obvious to this. Have you ever felt like a failure? Oh yeah. 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 Without question. And were were you surprised that it was mostly in your head and those around you, aka more specifically, like your wife, um, didn't see it that way? She was like, not at all. Like, I don't see that. Like, that's been the case for me. I come home and I'm like. Man, now I'm a total loser, if you know what I mean. Like, that was a major flop. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that was in your head. Like, yeah, could you have maybe done things a little better or said this or that? But by by far, I mean, wasn't that bad, yeah. um, right? Yeah. Like, have you ever found that that um, failure is often, in some cases, we're gonna deal with we're gonna deal with the whole spectrum of it. But for the most part, we blow up failure bigger than what it tends to be. Mm. Now, yeah. no doubt, it's it's big. Like let's just say, like if you've had um, in, in, in immorality issues um, in in your marriage, okay, come on, that that's huge. Like we all know that. Um, if you've, you know, guys, if you've had some type of addiction, okay, I get it. Um, if you ever were a little shady on some business practices and it caught up with you, um, okay, right? I mean, that, that's big, but it's not that big. Like it it, it can be overcome, mm-hmm. right? But often on most things, we make um, failure bigger than what it is. And I think the devil wants to do that in our head. So here's what we're talking about, Um, how to start over. Let me remind you of that. We're going to give you some tips of when you feel like a failure, when you have failed, or when fear just locks you down, like preventing you from starting over. You've made failure so big in your head and you thought there's there's no way I can come back from this and and okay so maybe you quit maybe you um maybe you just settle in which is by the way the biggest one I find mm. most guys don't quit they just settle in mm. yeah and what that does is that leads to further depression it leads to further discouragement um it leaves the wife um almost saying like look I know you're in the game but it's like you're not who I know you need can be. It's like I mm. like come on, yeah. and fear just locks you down. Okay, so here's here's the question. Now I want you to listen to this question. I want I seriously I want you to listen to this question. So if you're driving right now, um, or if you're sitting in your house, like try right now to focus for like the next five seconds, however long it takes me to ask this question. I want you to listen to this question. Are you ready to give yourself a new start? Yeah. There's a pause there, right? Now, I want you to listen to that question. 
Are you ready to give yourself a new start? Most guys aren't ready to give themselves a new start. Mm. Now, what's amazing to me about that is built into us as guys is we're built in we're built in to be overcomers. Like we're problem solvers. Yeah. Okay. So in an upcoming episode on conversations with kids and how to honor your wife and and how to handle family issues. In upcoming episodes, we're going to deal with those topics. Most of the time, guys are problem solvers. All right. So are you guys this way? Um, when your wife starts talking to you, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Golly. <laughs> no, go on. Seriously. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. When your wife starts talking to you and she's just sharing problems, scenarios, situations, do you already have a solution in your head? Yeah, that's why I said yes. Right? <laughs> right? Like, I'm thinking already, like, oh, well, this isn't that actually big of a problem at all. Like, I can give yeah. me give me 10 seconds. Yeah. A, yeah. B, C, one, two, three. Yeah. It's wired into us to be problem solvers. Now, now let me let me tell you why I'm saying that. It is so wild to me that we're built in to be problem solvers that when a problem happens in our, our own life, we don't know how to solve it. Mm-hmm. We yeah. quit. Yeah. Uh, we settle. We cease. And, and and maybe we don't know the right sources to go to, right? But okay, mm-hmm. so let's talk about that. Uh, one more time. Are you ready to give yourself a new start. You got to get to that point. I'm literally I'm li- it's amazing how these episodes follow life. Yeah. I've literally been texting a guy and did it this morning. Did it this morning. Now, the texts were short because I I knew now's not the time to speak the solution just yet. Mm-hmm. But I was basically asking him this question. Are you ready? Like you, you, you have to be ready to give yourself permission to start over. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, great example here. Um, my dad, when Raina met my dad, uh, my dad had just gone through his third heart procedure and come out of his second or third back or neck surgery. Good so, grief. being in construction, my dad just destroyed his back and his neck, and of course. Heart history was is horrible in our family, and we didn't know how to eat right, and um, and so forth. And he also was a smoker for many years, and so he was only about three or four years removed from quitting smoking. He had a heart attack from smoking, and that woke him up. And of all things that he tried to stop, that one stopped him from smoking. So fast forward about three years, and and Raina meets my dad and my mom and dad for the first time. We've been dating nine months. We fly home to North Carolina. Get off the plane, and my dad's hilarious. Uh, now, this is before 9-11, so they can meet you at the jet bridge. And so um, my, my Raina gets off the plane, and my dad doesn't even look at me. My dad doesn't even, doesn't even wave at me. My dad just makes eye contact with Raina, and 30 feet away, my dad goes and, and does this, puts his hand up in the air and goes, yes! Like, because here's what my dad always said. He goes, I don't want any, uh, I don't want ugly grandkids. <laughs> That was my dad's infamous statement. I don't want ugly grandkids. Like, don't bring home an ugly wife kind of a thing, you know, joking. So when he saw Raina, he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, immediately, Raina was a massive encourager in my dad's life. He had just given up his business. He was like, I'm done. Now, listen, my dad, my grandfather had uh, bad stomach ulcers and went into surgery 
and, and took a long time to recover. My grandmother, his mom, picked him up from school at the age of 10, and he would go finish tile jobs that my his dad started so they wow. could keep the, the the income going. So at the age of 10, my dad was finishing construction jobs. Wow. That blows my mind. Yeah. Now, they weren't like major things that he was doing, but nonetheless, he, my grandfather would go in and get it started and say, he needs to come in and do this. And he would get picked up from school. Now, listen, great family. This wasn't like child labor. It wasn't like, do this, son, or you're not. No, 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 no. Like my dad full on owned the family business. I mean, it literally was Smith & Son Tile um, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, so my point is, for that many years, for 45 years, my dad has been doing construction. It wore his body out. And he's been managing the company at this point. And he's just, he's going through major depression. A lot of his employees now are like, um, when they're on job sites, they're selling jobs on the side, stealing business from my dad, mm-hmm. stealing tools, not taking care of the equipment. He had like seven or eight trucks running and four or five crews. And he's like, I'm done. I'm done. Well, he went through depression. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through major depression. He literally thought at age 55, he thought like, I'm done. Like, there's nothing else I can do. Like, what do I do now? And Raina literally just steps into his life. And I'll never forget this. We were in the blue on the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina. And Raina looks at him and says, you're 55 years of age. You've started two companies. She goes, you've done more than most men will ever do in a lifetime. And you're right now at the prime age to keep going. Mm. With every word my, that Raina said, my dad grew an inch. Mm. Like I, I can still see my dad going, really? 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 Mm-hmm. Like, he goes, I never thought about it that way. Like, how many people start companies? How many people do this? How? And and for that moment, it, it, it literally, I'm telling you, it literally took, it brought my dad out of depression. Wow. And Raina just began speaking life. And in so many words, that's where I got this question from. In so many words, Raina said, are you ready to start over? Wow. That's literally what she said to my dad in like so many words. And I will never, ever, ever forget that conversation Raina had. Um, and my wife, if you don't know her story, she's the queen of starting over. Like we don't have time to go in and talk about her testimony, but you don't listen, nobody out there has an excuse for not starting over after you hear my wife's story. Okay. So here's the question if you're ready to start over, um, that sounds like a strange question. Um, so you're you're probably longing for a new start. Maybe you're in a in a dead end job. Maybe it's not dead end, but maybe you're just not satisfied. Yeah. Maybe you feel like your marriage is stalled. Um, hey, maybe as a parent, maybe you feel like you're maybe you feel like you're um, you're just not that good of a dad. Can we be honest? Maybe you feel like that whatever age and stage of your kids, um, that there there wasn't a time when I didn't feel like a failure as a dad at, at certain stages of my. I felt like I wasn't there for my wife when. When the girls were so little, there was a period of like, I think what Raina, Raina still says it today, like 34 days where she didn't see me. Um, we were so busy and I was gone and she had three kids, um, you know, and so forth. I, you know, it's, and, and I look back and I'm like, man, wow. Even though that was 30 some days, that was 30 some days. Like yeah. I, I, I let her down. Um, at each stage, I feel like I could have done better as a dad. All right, so here's the point. Um, are you ready to start over? Now, here's the weird part. I've already touched on it. Most guys are harder on themselves than they are on other men. Mm, yeah. Right now, if I felt like a failure 
and I invited you to breakfast, and I said, bro, here's my life, and I just was like, blah, you would know exactly what to tell me, but you wouldn't know how to listen to it yourself. Mm-hmm. I have found that to be true 110%. Yeah. I, I have been able to sit down with dads and say, bro, do this. But then I go back home and I tell Raina the conversation I had, and she just kind of stares for like five seconds, and and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably need, I could do that too. She's like, yeah, like just listen to what you're telling other men and have that conversation with yourself, and here's where you can improve. Wow. Okay, so here it is. Most men long to be the people, the the guys that do the right thing. Yeah. Like we want to make the right decisions. We we don't want to be a failure. Yeah. Now, yes, I have met men before that I think. They want to be a failure. I mean, I'll be, I'm not making light of that, but very few men wake up and are like, I hope I fail at my job. I hope I fail as a dad. Yeah. Most of them don't say that, right? Here's my point in that. The grace that we often extend to others, we we rarely extend to ourselves. Yeah. Let me repeat the question. Mm. Are you ready to give yourself a fresh start? You're 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 willing to help other men get a fresh start, but you got to be ready to do it yourself. Now, if you're not, that's crippling to you. Okay. Now, again, most of us want to do the right thing. We want to be the right man. Uh, so how do we how do we get to that? How do we how do we get to this point? All right, because we use what we've done wrong to condemn ourselves and convince ourselves that a new beginning isn't possible. We often don't think about. We often think about what didn't happen. When it comes to failure, we go, well, this didn't happen. Yeah. I didn't close this deal. I didn't have this conversation. I didn't follow up here. Like we often think about what we didn't do, right? Rather than celebrate what did happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to talk about my wife a lot in this because this is where she's strong. I can often come in as a pastor and say, I didn't know it was this person's birthday. I had no idea they were in the hospital. I, I, I feel like I could have spoken this better. I should have been in more attendance here or there, blah, blah, blah. Like I can, my tendency is to come in and say, I could have done better. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But Raina quickly turns it and says, well, let's talk about what did come from that. Mm. Yeah. So learn to celebrate what did happen, not always focus on what didn't happen. Mm. And don't write yourself off. So many guys just right there. We we focus on our shortcomings rather than our potential. Mm. And I get it. You know, we're trained maybe somewhat to not look in at ourselves. We call that pride. But hang on, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Not looking at yourself the right way is actually a wrong way of being me-centered. Yeah. It's fake humility. Right, so you do have to take a a, a, a a view, a maintenance of yourself. Often, as guys, we focus on what we missed, not what we hit. Mm. And if you look at it, you probably hit. You've you've probably been more successful than what you think you have. It's learning to find them, having like a good wife that can point out those things, having other men around you, having good friendships around you that can point out. With I get it, like I get like on a metric scale of ten. Um, you're focusing on you know five or six things that did not, but did you also notice the things that did, that did happen, and, and what could come of those things? Now, don't get me wrong. Our mistakes do provide valuable lessons, but they only serve to paralyze us unless we use them to propel us mm. into a better, wiser future. I'm telling you right now, 
is part of our human nature is built into us to fail, but fail successfully. John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward years ago. And I love that that I love that title. I can't remember a whole lot about the book. I apologize, but um, I like the title. We we are meant to fail. Why? Because it, it, as Christians, it reminds us of our dependence upon God. If we were always successful, we would never go back to prayer in God. Yeah. In fact, we often do that when we become successful and we become more ignorant of God's control of. Exactly. Yeah. I, it, great point. I literally was just talking to somebody after Sunday service. And they were like, so-and-so was here, and they got caught up in their own success and the worldly embellishments that they kind of walked away from God, and now some of these things are being removed, and now they're seeing their need for God again. Boom, right? Exactly what you just said. Now, hear what I just said. We have to learn how to make our failures. They're going to happen. We have to learn to use our failures to propel us, not paralyze us, right? Now, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Buffelli. He spoke this into me three years ago, at least. We were on the phone. Some things were going on. And I was like, man, like, I just do not know how to deal with this. And he was listening to me. And hear what he said. Here's what he said. He said, Ron, he, Pastor Ron, he goes, man, you, you got to confess that attitude out of your heart. Hmm. And he goes, because having that attitude is going to lead to self-pity. And I needed to hear that. And I told you, he's like he's like a main voice in my life when it comes to like, he's like a, a Nathan, you know, to a David. And he said, uh, he said, I've learned if if I sit there and dwell on so-and-so said this, the situation is this, I did this, like, you know, pity poor me, wah, 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 wah. If, if all I do is dwell on that, then in, in, instead of it being a conversation that's all about what I didn't do or why did this happen, now it turns to self-pity. Now I walk around like asking people to look at me and help me because these, rather than rising above and through that. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I've never heard that. Now the reason why we, we have to confess our faults is confession without confidence in God's belief and your potential as a, as a leader, as a husband, that leads to despair. Mm-hmm. Right, so I have to have that confession gives me confidence in God's part in my recovery. Without that, I, I, I'm, I'm left to despair. And so many guys get stuck there, and some of them never make it out. I think some people also expect, you know, when you make mistakes, particularly if it's, it's a mistake in obedience, mm. you expect the rain. Like, right. I gotta do my penance. So true. Sometimes you're you're like, okay, I, you know, and I I've got to correct right course, but now I've got to pay the price. So let's just get it over with. Right. And and so you pause on taking steps forward because you're you're waiting for, in your own mind, you know, the flaming arrows of wrath and. Oh yeah, give you give know. yourself the lashes, right? Right, like, exactly. You, climb you the beat hill yourself. Yeah, climb the hill. Be a monk. Climb in the cave. Beat yourself up and. The problem is a lot of guys just can end up staying there. Yeah. Like they think that's the way. They think by lashing themselves that maybe their wife's going to go, great job. Mm-hmm. You know, no, absolutely not. That's not what they want from you. Okay. So let, let, let's talk. Or that you will have done your time, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of guys. Right. I got to do. Yeah. No, that's a great point. So let's ask a few more questions so you can get an understanding of how to heal, heal yourself and start over. Why won't you make the change you need to make and accept a new start? 
Like what's preventing you from just saying, okay, I messed up here and 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 I'm okay with that now. I've learned from it. Let's start over. Yeah. Like why won't you make the change you need to make and accept a new start? So here was the short text that I made this morning at, I forget what time it was, 5.04 or something. I looked at the clock. It was like that. I was like, wow, he responded real early this morning. Here's It was, it was, two, it was two simple sentences. Trust God. Make the change necessary. Hmm. That's all I said. And he responds back with just a great response. And I'm like, all right, all right, your, your head's on straight. I can, I can get that. Here's another one. Why don't you just give yourself the new start you long to see others claim? Why, why don't you give yourself permission to start over? Yeah. Like, accept that. Like, okay, you failed. It's not going to be the last time you fail. You learn from failure. So just give yourself permission to start over. God is willing to give you a new start. You're the one not willing to give you a new a new start. Now, listen, I know, I know you know that. I mean, so this podcast, Front Sight, it's, somebody asked me yesterday, is it is it just all biblical? And I know what he meant. Like, is it just a follow-up on the sermons? Um, it's biblically based, but not every one of them's a sermon. Yeah. So don't let me sound preachy on this. But like, God is willing to give you a new start, but let me sound preachy on that, because do you believe that? Do you believe that God's willing to give you a new start? Yeah. I'm just telling you, right here on this couch in my office, I hear a lot of guys say this right here. I know God's willing to give me a new start, comma. I'm just having a hard time receiving it. Like intellectually, they know the preachy stuff, but are they willing? All right, so look, our God is a God of all, all about new beginnings. I mean, my Lord, look at it. Mm. I mean, I mean, look, Adam failed. Noah failed. He was, Noah was a drunkard. He was a drunk sailor, as Adrian Rogers said. Adam was a crooked farmer. <laughs> I mean, Moses, he was a, a liar. Abel uh, killed his brother. Abel killed his brother. I mean, just go down the list. You can't find a biblical character um, that has not experienced some level of failure. Mm. But our God is a God of new beginnings. Now, here it is. Other people are longing to give you a new start. Yeah. Let me say that again. Other people are longing to give you a new start. You have to be the one to say, okay, I receive it. I get it. Let's 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 do this. Okay. All right. So how do we do this? How do we start over? All right. Well, don't hesitate. Number one, mm-hmm. don't hesitate to give yourself permission. All right. So let me give you three practical principles and let's talk about these. Number one, stop dwelling on what went wrong. Why why do you think that's bad to always dwell on what went wrong? Any thoughts? I don't know. I just said Abel killed Cain, so I've been dwelling on the fact yes. that I should have said Cain killed that's Abel. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. You're funny. Uh, this is why I can't this is I just can't do this. I, I need to leave. Just say the first <laughs> the, the first kids murdered uh, one one another. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. No, we got that. No, that's okay. All right. Well, Rodney learned from that and let's move on. Yeah. I'm struggling. I, I really <laughs> That's am. That's funny. But why is it bad? What harm comes from always focusing on what went wrong? Your mindset. You know, you're, you're, you're training your mind to think that way, you know? And man, we covered that earlier. There's a reason why I said get your head squared away because I knew the episodes that were coming. Right. You're literally training your mind to just see that and only see failure. And you have to train yourself to see both failure. Yeah. You don't want to be ignorant of it. Yeah. Um, but you also want to see the success that comes from it, right? Mm-hmm. Learn from it. I think there's also 
there's also kind of this commercial professional perspective of root cause analysis, mm. which is you can't fix something if you don't know why it happened right. and, and where things went wrong. And so we start, we apply it in every aspect of our life to the point that we're doing root cause and grinding into the, the, the right. negative nonstop because we're not perfect. Right. And we just get overwhelmed with the fact. No, that's true. That is true. Yeah. By nature, most of our jobs, it's it's problem solving. So we see what's wrong. Yeah. But you, you've got to break the cycle, to Jacob's mm -hmm. point. Like, yeah, acknowledge what's wrong. But if not, if that's all you uh, acknowledge, that's going to be your mindset. Here's another one on how to start uh, over. One, you have to trust that God has forgiven you mm -hmm. in some area of failure. Yeah. Um, most of us know that, but there's, again, the reason why I asked the question, are you willing to give yourself a fresh new start? Most of us can receive God's forgiveness, but most of us can't forgive ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now, here's something you need to file. Some, sometimes the things you refuse to forgive yourself over aren't even sinful. Mm. I found that out. A lot of guys just don't they don't want to forgive themselves over things and and they're making a mountain out of the proverbial molehill. Mm -hmm. They're making a big deal out of something that's not really that big of a deal. The devil wants to make that bigger in your mind. Just move on. Yeah. That's why I said in some instances the old adage of, you know, pick yourself up, you know, dust it off, like come on, man. Yeah. Get sometimes that does apply. Like you're right now the devil has has you so locked down on the minuscule He's made that bigger than it is. No, 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 no. Look, if it's truly sinful, even if it was, like, blow that thing up. If it, Even if it was truly sinful, isn't it something that Jesus has covered anyway? Yeah. So come on, all right? Trust that God is forgiven. Here's another one. Allow yourself to stumble. I'm going to pause there. Allow yourself to stumble. I'm going to say that one more time. Allow yourself to stumble while you keep your eye on the future. A lot of guys, the standard is high, and I applaud high standards. Yeah, You got to have them, or we just don't ever go beyond where we are. But for many of them, the standard is so high in terms of perfection that when they miss one of those sections, um, they see that stumble as absolute rejection, not an opportunity to keep walking. So you got it. You've got to make room to stumble. You, you, you've got to allow yourself to to go through the process of elimination, the process of failure, but still keep your eye on the future. I've never met a parent who doesn't celebrate like crazy when a toddler is learning to take his first steps. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. All right. No parent criticizes that little child when he stumbles and inevitably falls down. What What's the first thing you say when they take two or three steps and they fall? What do you say? Oh, come on, get back up. You can do it. You know. Come on, get back up, right? Like we learned early on, um, and everybody learns this, but we, we had to learn it. You know, um, when, when your kids fall, don't make statements like, oh, no, yeah. oh, ooh. Yeah. Like, just be like, you're okay. Like, don't over. Don't teach them to overreact. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Just be like, oh, okay. Well, that's all right. Get up. Now, why is it at a, as adults in our own head? When we make a mistake, we're like, oh, ooh, ah, ah, right? Like we overreact, yeah. right? Think about that. Allow yourself to stumble. Now, listen, listen, please listen to this. You may or may not be responsible for your failures, guys, but you sure can take responsibility for starting a new day. 
I need to say that over and over because that statement I heard years ago has rung in my head. You may or may not be responsible for your failures, but you are the one responsible for starting a new day. Yeah. So come on, you can do this. Failure is inevitable, and failure is developmental. It's inevitable, but it's also developmental. Use failure as a stepping stone, not a millstone. A yeah. millstone is what's hung around your neck that causes you to sink to the bottom of the, of the water, right? Use failure to evaluate and use failure to strengthen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I want to spend so much time on this because here's – okay, so the first session I meet with guys on failure is what we just met with. Yeah. When we come back the next time or even through texting or phone calls, here's what I ask. All right, so now that we're beyond this pity party, if you will, start asking yourself, where can I improve? Mm. Like, can I improve my social skills? Like, are we here because – I'm not that good of a communicator, and it's okay to admit that, right? Like, I'm still learning to communicate. Yeah. Um, having three daughters has taught me so much about communicating. I honestly look back at it, and I'm like, how in the world did my wife stay married to me mm -hmm. um, effectively? You know what I mean? Like, I communicated probably just very um, caveman-ish. I hate to say that, clichéishly for like a guy, but... I look back at it, and, and having daughters, I've had to refine my speech so much, and I've had to do it at every stage. Now that my daughters, one is married, one is engaged, one just breached the, the 20s, and I'm having to even – those are three different conversations I'm still having to have with them, and I'm, I'm learning. And so many times I blow it, and I can see it on their face. Like I come in like a wrecking ball, you know, you know whatever. There's a song like that, but I, I come in and I'm like, whoa, those words just kind of leveled the playing field. Yeah. Now, to mind you, and Jacob's here, he's around our family a lot. Obviously, he's in his family, so he's with us, and so he hears us. He's seldom have there been times where I come in and I'm just like screaming, I'm like, no, yeah. But Jacob can attest there are times that I'm just talking like this, and I'll say three things, and I'll see the eyes get really large. And I'm like, okay, I probably could have said that a little softer. Yeah. Right? Like, I could have said that I'm learning. That's my whole point. Like, you're always – so how can I – now, here's what, here's, here's what I ask. How can I improve my communication? Was what, Are we somewhere because I miscommunicated? Are we here because I misunderstood? How can I improve in my planning? How can I improve in my reactions? Listen, guys. How can I improve my reactions, my replies, my responses? You could you could do a four four part series on those three words alone, right? I hadn't thought about that. Yes, but now this is a lot of evaluation. But how can I improve my reactions, my replies, my responses? How how can I improve my attitude, and how can I improve my perspective? Oh my goodness! I I pray that you know when you guys look at this, that this transcript is available for this. And that in typing this up, we've included that um, because this is the valuation you need to take. So how do you move forward? I know right now you're going, okay, I'm ready to start over. Where do I start? You start right here. You start asking yourself, remember, not where did I fail. Yeah. You ask yourself, how can I improve? Mm, yeah. How can Remember, we're learning from failure. So you can always improve. Nobody's ever going to be perfect this side of heaven, ever. Nobody, ever. Yep. You can always improve. Here's the next one. Here's a big one. Get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Did I say that nice enough? Now let me let me explain what I mean by that. I don't I, maybe right. I don't mean what you think it means. Here's what I mean. We are a very self-centered culture. 
Social media. Raina and I just had this conversation this morning, and it had nothing to do with the podcast. It was just this. Social media teaches you to view everything through a self-filtered lens Mm -hmm. rather than an others-filtered lens. So Raina right now, her big conversation is teaching children in children's ministry, the older children, of course, how not to be so me-centered. Social media, right, because we can voice my opinion, we can... Uh, we can portray my view. We can portray my perspective. Selfies. Everybody's an influencer. E- everybody's an influencer. My opinion matters. My okay, exactly. So that's very me-centered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gospel, the life of a Christian, is to be others-centered. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm me-centered, I'm self-filtered. Mm. That's a problem. Meaning, I only interpret things through a filter that is me oriented. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be hard for me to see the reality around me Ooh. because I'm only going to be wrapped around what I perceive, what I think, what I feel. And you end up asking questions like this Did I do the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Was this the... now nothing wrong with those questions? But often, if you listen to those questions in the context, you're asking it, and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with that situation. You're like, remove yourself from that filter right now. That was not about you. That was about something else, but you're making it more about you. You got to get over yourself, right? Here's how you get over yourself. I'm telling you, these are three great questions. Ask this, is there somebody I'm helping who cannot help me in return? Human default, because we're so uh, the propensity is for what can I get out of it? Yeah, playing chips. Yeah. yeah, playing chips. If I do this, I can call in my chips later. Right? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Is there somebody that you're helping right now that's not going to do anything back to you in return? Like you're just straight up helping them, and you know they can't help you back. Here's another one. Who am I lifting up? Who can't lift themselves up? Mm. Encouragement, support, love. Like, you understand what I'm asking right now? Who are you giving yourself away to? Failure makes you so me-centered that you wait on others to come to you Mm. instead of you digging yourself out of the pit of failure by going to others. One of the quickest ways to get out of that hole of self-pity is not keep shoveling your needs. You're just going to dig that hole deeper. Is start using the shovel to help other people dig out of their spots. The more you use the shovel for you, you don't dig yourself out. You dig yourself deeper. Come on. Here's a third question. Is there somebody I'm encouraging daily? This gets the filter off of you. I'm telling you, fil- failure wants to just wrap the whole world around you, 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 right? If you're a country fan, you just started finishing Toby Keith's song, It's All About Me. Um, if you're not, you're going, Pastor, I don't listen to country music. You probably shouldn't. It's all about dogs dying and divorces and the train didn't come home and my house burnt down. I get that. But anyway, moving on. Here's what you got to learn. Quitting is just as hard as finishing, and quitting is just as hard as starting over. 
Rodney, you and I just had a discussion yesterday. You're meeting with some folks, and um, you were like, I had to tell them, like, okay, if this thing's going to shut down, shutting down is a lot harder than what you think it is. You literally just had that conversation with somebody the other day. Quitting is just as hard as starting over. Yeah. We often think quitting's easy. Quitting, no. So, look, either way is going to be hard. So instead of taking the hard way to quit, why don't you take the hard way to start over? Either Mm -hmm. way is going to be hard. Yeah. But taking the hard way to start over is a lot more productive um, than taking the hard way to quit. Don't quit. I'm telling you, don't quit. The Bible tells you and I that. Do not give up on doing good. Do not give up on doing good. It may feel like you're not digging out of that hole, but you are, okay? Here's a statement that somebody made years ago. When we finish, we win. When we quit, we wallow, right? The hole of self-pity just gets deeper. All right, let me just wrap it up with this, with my favorite character in the Bible, um, Joshua. And in Joshua 1, okay, this will only take me a few minutes. In Joshua 1, we learn that Joshua has been dwelling in the tent of Moses for years. He's like Moses' assistant. And I've often wanted, I wish there was more documentation on like how Joshua dwelt in the tent of Moses. Like what were those conversations like? You know, did, was Joshua like, bro, crossing the Red Sea, bad idea? I mean, like, did he have those conversations like, two million people are following us right now, we're yeah. doing this? I mean, just think yeah. about... Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure that's a great idea. Or even how fearful he must have felt like, wow, yeah, we're doing this. And this guy, all he's heard from God is go do this, and he's doing Like, anyway, like, okay, so here's what we know about Joshua. He dwelt in the tent of Moses, and then here's what Joshua 1, verse 1 says. After the death of Moses, Joshua wakes up one day, and the guy whose tent he's dwelling in, the main man he's leading from, is dead. Wow. You want to talk about feeling like a failure? Yeah. What I mean by like, he's like, okay, wait, wait, what? God charged this man to lead these people out. He's now dead. Who's going to do this? It's like losing a father at an early age or mother or something. Can you imagine how overwhelmed he felt? Yeah. That was just part of the verse. The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Watch the next part. Now, he's talking to Joshua, therefore arise, get out of your hole, come out of your spot. Now's the time for you to take leadership. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to you, to to them to this day, to the people of Israel. Man, we know the rest of it. Joshua faced an enormous task. He had to start over. He had been an assistant to Moses. Now the Word of God says, Moses, God's assistant's dead. You're next right? How is this going to happen? Number one, number one, number one, number one. When you come to start over according to the Bible, face reality, face reality. Mm -hmm. I made some mistakes. I could have done better. I could have been better communicator. I I could have had better social skills. I could have had better perception, could have had a better attitude. Okay. I messed up. Face reality, face reality. But those days are dead. 
Those days are dead. I say this all the time to some folks. Uh, um, they're like, did I make a mistake in doing this? I'm like, well, nobody's invented a time machine just yet, so you can't go back and undo that. So let's just face the reality of the decision that was made. What can we learn from it? How can we move forward? Number two, move on. We just read that. Like he said, arise, like get up. See, Joshua could have stayed in that place. Joshua could have walked out in that tent and said this, Oh my gosh, Moses is dead. What are we going to do? Can you imagine what that would have done to two million people if the next guy in line would have come out with that attitude? Yeah. Right? Guys, I don't we're we're done. We're doomed. The ten spies were right. Me and Caleb were wrong. Go back. Right? No. He got up. Move on. Move on from your failure. Number three, don't be afraid. Joshua one verse five. Be, don't be afraid. Now God repeats this phrase three times in a mere nine verses. Three times in a mere nine verses. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Fear is one of the uh, bedfellows of failure. Yeah. Mm. It locks you down. Don't be afraid. Come on. You're going to fa- fail, and it's not going to be your last one. Start over. Give your give yourself permission to, to not be afraid. Here's the next one. Stand tall. He literally tells Joshua, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. Mm. Front sight, for the most part, is, is based upon the story of Joshua, just like Waterstone. Guys, your, your family is looking to you to stand tall when you fail, yeah. not crumble. Now, does there need to be a time when you cry on your wife's shoulder? Absolutely. Does there need to be a time when you probably you and your wife go into some room in private and just say, I failed, I made a mistake? Yeah. Are, are, is there going to be time for that? Absolutely. But is there a time to come out of that and just say, all right, here's how we face this. Your sons are watching you. Your daughters are watching you. They're going to be failures in life. They're going to have failed attempts. They're watching you to see how you stand tall in the midst of falling. Mm. Here's the fifth one. Stay focused. Joshua 1.7, don't depart to the left or to the right. That's, by the way, if you pay attention to the closer, that's why I say ready on the right, ready on the left. That's why if you pay attention to the music of the opener, that's why it's calling out the firing line. Um, you're literally listening to the guy call out the firing line directions, um, you know, here, Marine Corps, but you know, the firing line. Like, are you ready on the right? Are we ready on the left? That's literally Joshua chapter 1. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Stay focused. Stay focused. Ready on the right. Ready on the left. Here's the sixth one. All right. I, I wish I had more time to spend on this, but we're going to have to end this. Expect success. So many guys, after they fail, can only see future failure. Fear does that. But you've got to expect success. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Hang on. For then you will. For then you will. It doesn't say you may. It doesn't say you might. It says you will. Right? It's like shall, like it's going to happen. You will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Mm. The Bible admits the possibility of failure, but the Bible also admits the hope of success. Mm. You've got both. Yeah. The Bible admits, okay, fear is going to approach, failure is going to happen, paralysis will step in, but 
God has already written it into your plan. If you seek him, you can find success. So guys, I'm telling you, expect success. Now, let me just end with this. Please don't define success in worldly terms. Um, we just finished preaching a sermon on that in the series Life Explained on how to how to experience success God's way, okay, just a few weeks back. Um, I can't remember exactly the date that it came out, but anyway, um, go back and, and listen to that, all right? So don't define success the way the world defines success, like the measurements of employee of the month, entrepreneur of the year. Learn how to define success God's way. But nonetheless, you can and should expect to be successful. I'm just telling you right now, we're going to wrap this up. Let me just ask this question one more time. Are you willing to give yourself a new start? Are you willing to give yourself a new start? Don't focus on what you missed. Focus on what you hit. You can learn from failure. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. You can do it. Get out of that hole of self-pity. That's not going to lead you anywhere. Begin letting God dig yourself out. How do you how do you get out of failure? How do you start over? Focus on others. Focus on others. Begin serving others today and watch what God does and how he pulls you out. You can do this. I believe in you because I believe in God's promise. Start over today. You can do it. Here we go. <laughs>